the first podcast of the shortest month of the year next month we will be bringing you a podcast from the biggest trade fair in europe which is the ewa outdoor classic that's going not to be just, a lot not, of fun not just one show we'll not be just doing one show. lots of shows from next we've got quite a few different people coming on absolutely hopefully we can get david cp on for the third time the he's only not going to be in ewa he's not going to be anywhere i just okay, spoke I to him the other day he's not going to be there oh okay he said that all the cool kids aren't going this year for some reason. <laughs> um, we have a winner from last week's competition, uh, which was to win a Coldwell XLA bipod, 9 to 13 inch. Uh, it's a, a, a pivot and a tilt bipod. We've given that. away two of these already. Yes, we have. And it's yeah. actually the one that I, uh, I use myself as well. Um, you have a winner, though. It's Phil Seabrook. So you need to contact us. us contact us, us? You need to contact us, Phil at info at paceproductionsuk.com or you could actually use the correct email address which is podcast at paceproductionsuk.com uh, or shoot us an email on Facebook and we'll get back to you. And you got on at me again the wrong email address last time. Uh, of course we have a new competition running for the next two weeks and this time it is to win a Bushnell head torch. It is uh, again I have uh, I'm lucky enough to uh, I'm probably going to have to let Daryl use some of the, the gear as well because not only do I use the bipod, but I've also got this head torch. Yeah, as I, well. know, I noticed he had a swanky head torch <laughs> when we were out last time. Um, so, yeah, it's a Bushnell head torch. It's uh, 250 lumens. It's actually one of the quite cool things about it is that the central light actually adapts to the light condition. So, if it's pitch black, it turns onto its brightest settings. But if you just need a little bit of light and there's still a bit of ambient light, uh, it, it won't use its full brightness, which obviously makes your batteries last longer. Uh, it's got six different settings from high to is low. It, this to has got different colours in yeah, it. This this one. This yeah, this is what I was just going to say. It's got a, a boost and also a red halo so to yeah. preserve your night vision. Uh, we will put a picture and some more details on our Facebook page. Well, we're going to tell people how to win it now. We are, no, but uh, details of oh, what the... the to- we've what actually given, we've also given two of these away, I think. We have. This is the third one. So to find out, should we tell people how to win now? Yeah, we yeah, can okay. tell people how to win. So it's really easy, this one. This one's going to be an Instagram-based one. So we're going to put up a picture of the torch on Instagram, and then all you need to do is comment underneath it. That's all you have to do. It's simple very, very simple. And if you are not following us on Instagram, it is pace underscore brothers. That's mm-hmm. it. A lot of really cool content we put out there. It's obviously just, just pictures, a little bit of information, but... We kind of save our best pictures for Instagram because yeah. it's a great platform for that. I mean, if you look at our Facebook page, there might be a hundred pictures up on there, maybe a hundred and fifty pictures up on our on either of our Facebook pages. If you go on Instagram, we have one thousand two hundred odd pictures, yeah. and a vast majority are taken ourselves. Mm. Yeah, we try and put up a couple a day to yeah. let everybody know what we are doing and what we've been doing. Yeah. Of course, we've got a new guest this week. No, we have to say sorry, first of all, because we did suggest two weeks ago that we would probably bring a news podcast out in the interim week, and we didn't do it because we were away. Uh, However, we are going to be recording it either tomorrow or the day after, so in a week's time from when this podcast goes out, there will be be a news one. Because there's lots going on in the news. Mm, A lot of cool stuff. So we need to catch up. Too much to do in a podcast where we're interviewing someone. Yeah, there is. And I wanted to make one other 
thing before we kind of kick off okay. into the show. The Northern Shooting Show. Mm. We will be there, and I hope to see a lot of our listeners there. It's uh, one of the only shows that we're going to down south this year, I think. Yeah, I think we'll probably only be doing two, two over the border just because we're just hellishly busy. <laughs> Very busy. So it's the Northern Shooting Show. It's on Saturday 6th and 7th of May this year. 2017. Yep, it's in Yorkshire Showground, Harrogate. It's indoor and outdoor, and it covers a massive amount of field sports. It basically covers everything mm-hmm. that you can uh, think of. There's a brand new, I think, a £12 million uh, building that was not used last year that's going to be open. There's also uh, a deer... Deer focus. Deer focus, uh, which we should be part of. Yes, we're going to be in the deer focus area, which is going to be, well... As it suggests, everything to do with deer. And uh, what we'll do is over the every, probably every two weeks, we'll give you a little bit of extra information. We're liaising with the guys there, so we'll be able to keep you up to date with oh, all the and, and the best of it. It's ten pounds advance entry fee, Ooh, which gets you point. free priority parking right outside the main entrance. That is probably the cheapest game fair about. It's certainly one of the cheapest I know for yeah. What? Not I don't I don't think I can think of one that's ten pounds because even the Angus show which is like a few tractors and and stuff like I'm just not, down the road from I'm us I'm not dissing it too much but it it's not worth the twenty five pound fee or whatever it was to get into um, but yeah well there you go yeah get your tickets now yeah get them now the I think I'll double check this don't quote me on this but I am almost one hundred percent sure that you can get the advanced tickets up to a day before the the show starts. Oh, we will check that and yeah. we will we'll give you an update in two weeks' time and make sure we're correct on that. <laughs> but go and get them now. Yeah, go and get them now. Um, I, I actually, there was one thing I wanted to mention because I, I got a, an email from a, a very good friend of mine who I've hunted with a lot over the years uh, from South Africa and he uh, he was with us just a, a few months ago. Yeah, he was. And uh, his email was to let our listeners know for the podcast, um, and he does listen, all the way over from South Africa, that he was going to put together a special deal for anybody who wanted to go and hunt over in South Africa. So the deal is, and it's a very, very good deal, um, six nights stay, five days of hunting, including one uh, Kul Kudu, Kul Impala, uh, two Kul Warthogs, one Diker, and that includes all the, the traveling uh, and pickup from Port Elizabeth. Not to South Africa. Not not the actual flight, but you'll be picked up from Port Elizabeth Airport, which is the, the, one of the main airports in the very south of South Africa. Um, I've hunted with him for, well, close on a decade now. He's a very good friend of mine. And it is an incredibly, incredibly good deal. Did you see how much it was? Uh, I don't think I did, actually. No, I don't think you did. Uh, it's a great deal because it's 1500 quid. Yeah, I know I he's mean, competing pretty well with our wilderness. Uh, hunts, so it's uh, fifteen hundred quid to do that and experience Africa is just absolutely tremendous. Yeah, it's if you have the opportunity to go and it's something that you've always fancied, just do it because it. I promise you, it will change your life hunting uh, over there. I mean, and if hunting with the right people as well. Exactly, and flights depending on when you get them, they can range from about four hundred to six hundred. Yeah, 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 somewhere in that region. There. Yeah, uh, so. In total, you could do the whole trip for around about £2,000-ish, £2, £2, yeah. which is pretty good going, I would say. It's pretty good. And you're take, completely taken care of. Once you're in camp, everything's sorted. Food, drink, everything. Yeah. Don't so worry. if you want to uh, find out more about that, we have all the details. Um, so just shoot us an email, podcast yep. at paceproductionsuk.com, and, and we'll and pass put it on in, to you. In the, in the title, African, um, African, African Hunt, Hunt or something, and yeah. then uh, that'll help us uh, filter out. And we can get you more details. 
Absolutely. Uh, before we go into uh, letting you know who we have on the podcast uh, this week, don't forget that we are only able to bring you this podcast because of uh, the support that we get. Um, the Scottish Association for Country Sports have supported us since the very beginning. They are Scotland and Northern Ireland's largest field sports advocacy body, uh, representing members' interests all across the UK, from firearms licensing to wildlife and land management to broad field sports insurance and legal support. SACS is run by its members for its members. If you enjoy fishing or shooting or anything to do with field sports in the countryside and you're not a member of an organisation such as that, you really should be because they are the very people who, who fight for us behind the scenes and are involved in all of the government consultations and such like. So go and check out the Scottish Association for Country Sports. It's a, it's a really good place to start, whether you are a current member of another organisation and need to renew, or you're not yeah, a member at all. Reconsider. Yeah. Also, we will bring you, we're, we're, we're waiting for the documents to come through, uh, the discount involved in being a member. So they do have vehicle uh, discounts and they do. Uh, clothing discounts and... Hopefully, next in the next two weeks, we'll be able to tell you exactly all the discounts that you get, as well as all the great benefits of being a member. So mm-hmm. keep your ears out for that. Now, I guess we go into the guest. We do. If you hear snoring at all <laughs> during this show, it's not me. It's it's, it's neither of us. Um, Floki, the the cocker spaniel puppy, which people might know from a few months back. He's about five six months old now. He was sleeping in the back of the room. And I've never heard a dog snore so loud that we could actually hear him over the headset. And I'm not sure if it was picked up on the microphone. I'm not sure, but I was I, we, I was listening to um, to our guest really intently at what he was saying. And I kind of looked over to Daryl. And at the same time, he looked over at me and he pulled this face. And I looked at him and I was trying to work out what it was. And I looked over my left shoulder. There's the dog, upside down, legs in the air, spread eagle, snoring his head off. Yeah, I've never seen a dog so comfortable and pleased with himself in his life. And it wasn't just a couple of snores, he snored for about five minutes. Yeah, he did. I was actually tempted to throw a pen at him to wake him up. <laughs> but then but he would have come, yeah, and he come over. And so, our guest, we've got Scott Ree from The Scott Ree Project. Now, this was a guest that was requested by our listeners. So, it does work. So, it does work. So, thank you very much for the people that requested him. Uh, you might know Scott, well, you're more than likely to know Scott from... The Scott Reed Project, which is uh, his YouTube videos on butchering and preparing meat, all meat, and all meat, a yeah, big d- focus on on wild meat, yeah, wild meat, and a, quite a big focus on the butchering of uh, things. He's got uh, 145,000 subscribers, I think, Crazy. when I looked at, and it's going up every day. Over 30 million views on YouTube. His channel has really exploded, as he explains, uh, in the last two years. Mm. He's been going for, I think, he said about four, four, four years. Five yeah. years. Uh, really interesting guy, very, very clearly passionate about meat mm-hmm. and, pr- and processing and actually getting your hands on something that isn't already prepared for you from the fur down. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, yeah, really refreshing to hear from somebody that's just so infatuated with it. Mm-hmm. It is. And we'll have the links for his show uh, in the description so anybody can go and find him if you've uh, not seen any of his stuff before I urge you to go and subscribe to his YouTube ch- channel as well because you will learn something absolutely from I don't care who you are you'll you, definitely you will learn, learn something. something yeah um, and also I'm going to try and find a link for the knives that he suggested because I own two of them the I think uh, yeah, I own a couple, you, yeah. you own a couple of them and Scott himself actually recommended them as, as well and they're fantastic knives, for I, knives I, I, I basically use mine every single day mm. 
So and they're not that expensive, and yeah, I, I I guarantee someone will probably email us asking where the knives come from. Yeah, probably. So we'll put that up. Save ourselves. it; it'll be in the description. Yeah. Um, and I think that's it for a week. Yeah. Because we will definitely bring you the news news podcast in a week's time. Uh, we really hope you enjoy it, and don't forget of all the places that you can find the podcast. Make sure you share it with a friend. Mm-hmm. Um, SoundCloud, iTunes, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio. Uh, it's on YouTube as well and Stitcher for the Android users. So there's a ton of places. Go and check out no, our no Facebook. There is so many. In fact, it's now in places we didn't even put it. Yeah. So now you can just Google it and it'll just come up and I guarantee there'll be a platform that you can play it on. But like Byron said, I urge you to share it with someone. Definitely share it with someone. Check out and follow our Facebook page, Podcast Into the Wilderness. As uh, we mentioned earlier, our Instagram account, Pace underscore Brothers. Uh, but probably most importantly, go and visit our website. Uh, all the W's, thepacebrothers.com. There's a lot of good stuff on there. Our video series, all the podcast information, a bit of info about us, a shop uh, with some of our T-shirts. Yeah, you and need a little to grab yourself a mug. When you're listening to the podcast, you need to go and get yourself a mug from our site and then you can listen to the podcast while drinking, drinking some good coffee. Good coffee yeah. uh, and also a blog uh, on there, which is a way to be revamped. It is a way to be seriously revamped. So keep a, keep a close eye on mm-hmm, that. There's going to be a huge amount of great information. We, we have um, quite a few hundred subscribers to our website. Mm-hmm. So if you've not subscribed, go and subscribe. We, we don't really put much out at all. I think we've only put out maybe two emails. Two emails yeah. since the beginning. And we'll just let you know when something actually important happens. Yeah. So. Unlike all the other companies that I just spent about an hour unsubscribing to their emails i've been the doing the same i've been doing the same <laughs> it's all, just such all, a waste of time it's ridiculous I, you know and you don't even want the email it's mm. not interesting but the reason i did it which is a complete side note is because uh, daryl and i we were traveling somewhere to go and do some some work over on the west coast and we were listening to another podcast i think was it the art of manliness yeah it's the art of manliness uh really great podcast on pretty much everything that you could think of not necessarily a countryside podcast at all uh and they were talking about just being efficient with work and they were interviewing this lady who was i can't remember her name now but that was basically what she, yeah, she was, was a about. specialist in like social media yeah, uh, efficiency uh, well she had taken a, a break like a month-long break from social media and she said the first no, thing it was everything ever sorry everything yeah. all electronic stuff and the first thing she said that when she came back she realized that it distracted her when she got all of these emails through on her phone or whatever device it is. Like 10 a day. Yeah. And it was taking a minute, you know, not even a minute, but five, 10 seconds every email. So if you have loads of rubbish emails, which is normally from companies that either give you insurance or your phone or, or something like that, just go and unsubscribe. I've done it to pretty much all of them now. Because you never read them. If you no. never read the email, why get it through to your email box? Unsubscribe yep. it. So Waste, that's a top tip for yeah, the day. Top tip of the day, wasting your time. Enjoy the enjoy the podcast. Scott's a fantastic guest, and we will speak to you again in a week. Scott, welcome to the Into Wilderness podcast. Thanks for taking the time out to to join us today. We know that you're you're a busy man with uh, well hun- uh, more than a hundred thousand fans. Certainly now, uh, yeah. we're, we're going to talk about your YouTube t- channel and the Scott Re project. But before we do that, let's get a little bit of your kind of backstory. Uh, starting from a kid and the things that you like to do, building through to, you know, kind of where you are today. Okay, then. So, you know, I was born and raised in Worcester in the UK, a beautiful uh, town of Worcester. Uh, I live here with my partner. I've got three kids. And I've always had a passion for the countryside. And uh, in my earlier days, 
I wanted to be either a farmer or a gamekeeper, you know, but I lived in quite a residential area. So uh, that would be a bit different, uh, a bit difficult. But uh, uh, what it was when I was 15, I got a job in a butcher's shop as a Saturday lad and I kind of got the bug, you know. And uh, when I left school, I didn't think towards college or uni. I thought I'm going to go into the trade when the trade was still an amazing trade. You know, it was the tail end of the 80s when the trade was still buzzing, I suppose you can call it. You know, it's a very different animal than it is today, you know. And uh, I got an apprenticeship at the local Jewess and found out I had a, I suppose, a natural flair for butchery. And uh, at the time, Jewess were the holy grail of butchery. You know, they shops all over the country. Some of the finest uh, apprenticeships and training going. And in two years, I did an MVQ level two in meat and I was butcher of the year as well for the, the company, which was amazing. And, uh, I mean, I've been into, uh, like field sports and the countryside and especially the cooking side of it, which I've always loved to cook as a young man. Uh, I used to love watching people like the old school boys, Keith Floyd, I think of is course, one of the ones yeah. that really got me into it. Uh, they don't make programs like that anymore. I think, uh, I know it sounds to you, they're scared to make those ones where, you know, he's out in the country, deer, rabbit. He was never scared to cook game, you mm. know, and that really opened up my eyes to uh, to the whole thing. And, you know, with being a butcher as well, and a trainee butcher, it, it, the fit was amazing for me. You know, I absolutely loved it. Keith Floyd was half cut half the time, wasn't he, as well? Oh, it's rock and roll, isn't it? <laughs> Every, everything with a glass of wine. Ah, oh, a bit more wine, that'll do. I mean, you just won't get a guy like that again. No. He was so accessible, and so it's like he spoke to you. I mean, I totally got him. And some of the ones now, without, you know, I don't want to be bad-mouthed. It's a bit too clinical, and it's, it, some of the stuff that they show on telly, you, you know, it's not doable, but Keith was there, like you say, you know, sometimes you'd have a fag on, you know, and <laughs> have a glass of wine and he's knocking this stuff out in the field, and I just thought that is, that's for me. And that, so that was your, you obviously had this kind of aspiration as a young man to one day be able to do something like that, did you ever see yourself doing it in a way that other people could enjoy it, or did you just want to experience it for yourself? At what point did that sort of crossover come where you felt, you know what, I, I need to share this. I think what it was is because I've worked for so many amazing people. And what really made me start this channel is some of these old boys I worked for, I, I worked for two, uh, well, with two older guys. They were both in their 70s, but they was hard as nails. They were the old school. You know, the one guy was Sid Nutt. And he was hard as nails, spit as the butcher's dog. He had like a marine haircut. He was totally immaculate all the time, you know polished brogues and he was just a master on the knife and uh he was like my mentor but he didn't take no messing around he was one of them ones and it always makes me laugh when i get to train apprentices now he'd say i'm going to show you this once and you'd like he'd put like down a quarter you know a hind quarter of a cow down and say i'm going to show you this once and you'd be like you're having a laugh <laughs> you know but it, it makes you it makes you kind of take it on board and like he I'm not joking, it, it was a different animal, the butchery trade then. It, he would like a chopper would fly past me. Do you know? He was that hard. He was just like... And trying to learn, because basically butchery, you know, you've got to know every single part of the animal, every bone, whatever. And this guy's standing there going, I'm going to show you once. And he's just like, I've got no chance here. 
but it, it somehow it all sinks in amazingly. And do you think? Like, to, so, oh, sorry, carry on, Scott. Yeah, but the thing is, going back to it, these old guys, and I work for another guy called Henry Dias, where I live. And they were just amazing butchers and amazing skills. You know, these are the kind of skills that are, are slowly dying. Uh, and some of their recipes, I remember when I was working at Deus, you know, they'd make their own sausages, burgers, whatever. And they would not share any knowledge. They wouldn't share any of it. It was strange. And they took all these beautiful recipes and techniques to the grave. And the reason I started this channel is I wanted to, I suppose in a way, for me it started off as, to document them. So, hence on my channel, I do some of the old school butchery, you know, butcher pigs, but also making things like brawns and uh, sausages, but the traditional way. Because there is a, a case of, you know, we could lose this forever, especially like things like brawn and uh, hazlitt. I know it sounds simple stuff, but people just don't do it no more. No, I think, I think there's no call for it, you know, and I thought, well, I'll start documenting this stuff. And it just started off with like a, a pig video and people started to show real interest. And I thought one day, pretty much, I've got some in here. So, so your your pig video, I think, is one of the most watched uh, videos you've put out. It's uh, what, three and a half million, four million views on it, butchering a whole pig. Yeah, I, I mean, when you weigh that up, and you think that three million people have sat down and watched a dude cut up a pig. It's just nuts in itself, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's not a, I'm not a pop star with a video, you know, which command millions of views overnight. But when you think this is just butchery, and that's when I realised then that maybe there's something in this, you know, and I want to take it further and expand on that and, and start laying down all the butchery, you know, techniques for each animal. So why do you think it's changed so much? Do you think, to some extent, kind of the passion as a old-school butcher has been lost as time has moved on and it's been a simple case of get stuff in, churn it out for people, exchange, ex you know, money exchanges hands? Do you think there was a more of a, a passion and a pride in, uh, involved in the older days? Well, yeah, without, I suppose, offending all the butchers out there, yeah. I've got to remember that... Down on High Street in the Shambles in uh, in Worcester, there used to be 14 butchers when I used to speak to Sidney about it. Now there's not one. Hmm. And then there'd be like a few round the corner. Now there's none. I mean, you've got to realise, do people not want butchers anymore? Uh, is it too expensive? And I think that is the popular uh, misconception is that a butcher is dearer than a supermarket. It all comes back to that. It's a supermarket thing. Yeah. I think, but I, but I don't like saying that because I don't think that's fair. I, I I really can't put my finger on it, but but as time through, as time goes on, I think right butchery is coming back, you know, because there's so much interest in what I do, and I think maybe this is it. This is the turning point. It's coming back, but uh, yeah, I'm not sure what happened really, and I I know that sounds a lame answer. I can't really answer that. Do Do you think um, incidents like the the horse meat scandal and stuff like that? Uh propelled a few more people to th uh, take ownership of their meat so they could go to the butcher and they know it's come from a cow. Um, and, you know, people, I guess, would want to know a bit more about that watching your shows. Yeah, yeah, well, the horse meat, because obviously I'm still in the trade, it did the world of good for butchers for, for about two months. Mm. 
And then everybody started coming back and you start thinking, oh, this is brilliant, this is the start, you know, it's coming back. But then they slowly peter out. And it's always funny at Christmas uh, in the butchers, all these people you don't see every year, they all of a sudden, they come back, they get their Christmas feet. And then after about January, you don't see them. And you think, well, where do you both of you meet, you know? Mm. Uh, the rest of the year, you know, you should be with me, supporting me, I suppose. We, we hunt a lot of our own meat, but quite often... I would say most of my meat I try and get from the butcher because there's a few reasons. One, I know where it's coming from, and if I want to eat horse, I'll go and buy horse. It actually tastes yeah. quite good because me and Byron yeah. have um, eaten a bit when we were in Norway. Um, All right. But secondly, um, it's actually, on the whole, better quality meat because you can tell when you go um, to some of the supermarkets. Chicken, I guess, is a quite an easy example because nearly everybody buys chicken. And the yeah. amount of water that comes out of a, a cheap chicken is unbelievable so, compared to if you had gone to the butcher or something like that and almost no water comes out of it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like I say to people, you know, if you think it's a little bit more expensive, it's that old adage, uh, just go for the top quality, but don't eat so much of it. I know that mm-hmm. sounds a bit silly, but like you say, you can go and get three chickens for 10 quid, which as you've just pointed out, they're rubbish. So why not spend 10 quid on one really good uh, free-range, you know, chicken uh, and just make it go further? And I know that sounds a bit silly, doesn't it? When people go, why not? I could have three meals for a tenner. But what you're having is like a prime, well-looked-after product. So how is your life split up right now, Scott, you said that you, you're still in the trade, but obviously your channel and all the bits and pieces that go along with that must take up quite a lot of your time. So what does what your sort of day and week look like right now? Oh, it, I'm just barely holding on to sanity. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you guys know with making films and videos, the work that goes into it, I work four days a week and the other three days I'm on my channel and uh, the channel... It's getting to that point now. It's it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. I mean, currently I'm sitting on 145,000 subscribers. Crazy. Uh, I mean, that doesn't seem a big figure in in YouTube world, but to get there, that's taken it's five a lot, years. Yeah, it's a know? lot of work. It's a, a serious amount of work to do that. Yeah, but what the impressive figure I think, which is more important than the subscribership, although I love them dearly. It's the views, it's over 32 million. Really? Wow. Yeah, and I mean, that's 303 videos, and say if I was to do a venison butchery masterclass, and the video you'll see will be 20 minutes long, that's a 12-hour day to get that, you know, by the time, because I do all myself, all the filming, all the editing, and especially if I'm cooking dishes, it's a very long day. So... Um, obviously, with that amount of subscribership on my Facebook, I've got 5,000 friends. I'm at the peak now, and people, I'm turning people away hundreds a day. Hmm. And all, with all of this comes all the comments and emails. I probably get about 250 emails a day. Wow. And I try, I know this sounds crazy, try and answer everybody because they, they genuinely want questions answered. You know, it's not like, oh, just have a look at what I've cooked. You know, I've had one today, uh, a guy was asking about, uh, what was it he was asking about? Oh, yeah, making stock from game uh, bird carcasses, things like that. You know, they want genuine answers. I mean, don't get me wrong, I absolutely love it, but 
takes Those time. Those three days are starting to turn into busier than my actual work life. <laughs> <laughs> it's, you know, it's, it's amazing because the one thing that we're certainly not short of in the world and certainly in the UK is celebrity chefs and people who write cookbooks and online cooking content. I mean, it, it kind of is everywhere, but very, very yeah. clearly there is a very high demand for the kind of thing that you're doing. I mean, what do you think separates it? Well, I, I was talking to my friend about this, Mark Rooney, just a bit in the background for the SRP, lives in Ireland, and uh, I think we, I, seriously, I seriously, seriously think they've pretty much done everything apart from the style of programme I do in the game. When was the last time there was a really good game butchery or cookery series. I mean, like I said earlier, Floyd did a bit. Jamie would hit on a bit. I suppose Hugh, River Cottage, yeah, but that's yeah, 10 yeah. years old. You know, there's a new audience for this stuff. But what I think it is, is they can actually watch me take an animal completely down from skin and say a deer into primals, into the cuts, and then take it away and cook it. And I think that's really lacking on today's programmes. Yeah. And also, these guys are brilliant. I mean, I'm not the best at plating up, but what you will get is a lovely plate of fodder at the end of it, you know, a filling, warming, ethical dish. Uh, and I think that's what it is. It's the simplicity and the way that I hope it comes across that, you know, you can do this. I mean, I sit and watch some of this stuff like MasterChef, MasterChef Australia, whatever, and these dishes are amazing, but you think, could you really do that at home? And... Like on Friday, Jamie and Jimmy, they did a, I don't know if you saw it, did you see the deer they did in a pit? No, I've missed that. No. Well, they cooked a whole deer in a pit. Mm-hmm. You know, the old school way, did the pit, the rocks, they used metal, metal girders, and they put the deer in, put the blankets on top, and then filled it with soil. And you think, well, who's going to do that in their back garden? <laughs> it's all, do you know what I'm saying? It's all right showing us that, but who's going to go to all that trouble? And I think it can be a little bit too much fantasy land. So I think mine is, because mine's a bit rough around the edges, you know what I mean? It's a little bit rock and roll. It's a little bit normal, I suppose, is the word I'm looking for. And it's doable. And that's what I pride myself on. You know, people say I can make it look easy. And not in a big-headed way. Easy as in we can do it. And they do. You know, some of my products that I've made, uh, people come on board and they show me, and it, that is just one of the most amazing things ever. They come from all around the world, you know. People who've never picked up a knife, never done any butchery, have gone out their way. They first consulted me on the knife they want to buy. I mean, I've had people phone up, wives and girlfriends, I want to buy my boyfriend or husband a knife for, for his birthday because he, want he wants to start butchering. How amazing is that? Very cool. I'm a big fan yeah. of blades and knives, so I can appreciate oh, I can appreciate that. Yeah. But, but yeah, I think the, the secret is it's simple, uh, demystifying uh, butchery and cookery. You know, there's nothing to be scared of. Mm. I, I suppose, and that's been your kind of mission, is to make it accessible to people. I was just going to say relatable as well, so that people can actually feel like they can email you. How many people go, you know what, I'm just going to go and email Jamie Oliver? Exactly, exactly that. Yeah, exactly that. And like I said, I, I do generally try and get back to everybody. But obviously, because this is international, I mean, the top five countries at the moment, there's US at the top, us in the UK, Canada, Australia, and for some reason, the Philippines are fifth. Really? Yeah. You wouldn't think that, I would mean, you? It's been watched in about 234 countries, whatever, uh, 
I mean, I've had views in Kazakhstan. I've written a few down here. Malawi, Congo, Chad, and Christmas Island. Some dudes watch one of my videos. You know, it's getting absolutely everywhere. C- Christmas Island, the place that was yeah. nuked multiple so, times. <laughs> so what comes with that is obviously all the time zones. So it's not unlike for me to wake up to go to work at Apple and my phone goes ping. It'll be some dude in Texas going, hey, Dad, what yeah. do I do with this leg of pork? Yeah, yeah. And I try to answer on, you know, my missus is going, just put it down. And I said, I can't. You know, I feel like they took the time, they watched it, they want an answer, and I will give it them. That's what I'm here for, you know? How has the channel built over time? So you said five years. I mean, I imagine it's been quite exponential growth in the, in the last couple of years, but what did it look like for you? You know, it's 12 months after you started. Did you Were you looking at the numbers and thinking, should I, shouldn't I continue? I mean, what was your thought process as the years went by? Well, the first two years, the first six months, I thought I was just doing it just to uh, not... I won't say a joke, because that's wrong. I just thought I'd just put it out there to see if there was any interest. So not a joke, not a laugh, but I wasn't taking it serious. I was just putting it on and just going about my daily life. You know, I wouldn't check that, wouldn't check anything like that. But after a couple of years, it started to grow. And uh, I started to sit up there, and I thought, right, you know, I've, I've really got something here now. Let's Let's push this on forward now and I actually took a, a conscious decision to start pretty much afresh if you look at my older videos it all comes down to kit as well I never had the kit the light and the camera so I invested in all that obviously built a purpose-built studio and I thought right let's start afresh let's do the whole thing you know I'm trying to do uh, every single carcass we got you know lamb beef pork venison all the game birds and then I kind of riff off that but the last two years, it's just been phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal, to the point of I can't believe it's happening sometimes. You know, I've had uh, some articles in it. A lot of hunting and shooting and deer hunting magazines in the US, they can't get enough of it. Yeah. Uh, the international and national papers, I've been on uh, the radio. And it was funny because CNN phoned me up uh, after Brexit and they said, look, we might be able to export or import us uh, the habits again. Can we use your video in the backdrop? And you just uh. think that's just crazy. And they did. No, hag- haggis is a big thing, isn't it? I was reading yeah. about that. Yeah. They, they, they were getting excited that they might be able to have it over there. Mm-hmm. I think that's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. So, yeah, so as the build-up, uh, it, it's, it's just, I can't get my head around it. I absolutely love it. it and, and people are coming on board. You know, I've created a bit of a movement. And... Even on Facebook, it's like a community. I will put something on there and people will talk to each other within that group about meat or what I'm doing, the product or methods or techniques. I I think it's absolutely awesome, to be honest. It was actually um, a number of our listeners that requested yourself to be on this show. That's brilliant. Uh, Thank you, guys and girls out there. That's awesome. Where do you see it going, Scott? I mean, that's a, it's a very difficult question, I guess, considering yeah, considering how it, how it's uh, the the rise over the last five years. But do you kind of do you have a plan for where you want it to go? Or are you just going to keep pushing, do doing what what you've been doing, and just see what happens? Well, what I mean, I've thought long and hard about this. I, I think every day I think about this. How far can you take it? How far can you push it? Obviously, I've got lots more videos to to do and lots more of ideas i've been experimenting with all kinds of stuff too from very traditional uh, butchery techniques to right up to modern day molecular using transglutaminase and making crazy products it's almost 
witchcraft, alchemy, you know, mm. which is, I mean, it's not the nicest term, but meat glue. And it's just, I like to try and experiment with stuff, but I can, some of the products I've been making are, are, are absolutely brilliant. But, uh, God, I digress. Uh, I'm thinking, I'm actually in talks with uh, a production company, maybe a possible TV program. That's what, what I'd really like, get yeah. it out to the masses, you know. Uh, I'm thinking about some DVDs. It's, it's just ideas at the moment because I'll be honest with you, I'm so caught up in just running the channel because I'm on my own that I don't really think where it's going and that's crazy, I know. Crazy. But I've got a few ideas, a few fingers and a few pies, I suppose. A book? Is there going to be a book? I was just going to say that. You know, everybody says a book. Everybody says a book. And it seems like... I've got a book's worth of material, you know, when you look on my videos. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, it's definitely, definitely something I would think about, I would like to do. But, I mean, I love cookbooks. I've got tons of them, absolutely tons of them. It's like, a, yeah, a habit, let's say. And uh, there's lots of game books out there, some beautiful game books. So is there room for another one? What What could I do different to get myself noticed, published, you know, what can I do different that's not already been done? And I think that's the butchery side of it. Mm. It would be a complete game cookery book, but with the butchery, and I think some of these game uh, cookery books haven't got a lot of butchery in them, you know? Yeah. Well, yours would be quite un- unique, though, because if you're bringing out stuff that you've actually had videos of, people could read the book and then actually go yeah. and reference your videos. Yeah, most definitely. Most definitely, yeah. Nice idea, gents. <laughs> <laughs> your your videos cover you know, the butchery preparation, cooking of pretty much everything. But uh, it, it's clear from the videos and also from the the short amount of time that we've been speaking that you have a clear passion for game in particular. Why yeah. why is that? Uh, I, I, do you know what? It's just I'm going to give you the simple answer. I just love the I love game. Mm. That's all it is. What to eat or the actual um, process of it. I just love the butchery of it, and I love to eat it. But yeah, it's, it's one of my favourites. And I love to create stuff with it. it it's, it's amazing because uh, we've talked about game, and games come up in the past, and there's a lot of people that are a little bit afraid of eating game. And yeah. uh, this was kind of even more put to uh, what we, you know, what we uh, people saying we're afraid of it was during the Christmas period. Uh, a few of the states around where we are, they were getting hampers prepared uh, for people that aren't fortunate enough to be able to afford Christmas dinner, and it had some oh. get game meat in it, and it had a recipe book. It was all fully prepared, the lot, and they almost well they only managed to get one charity to take it and one of the reasons why the charities wouldn't take the food was the risks involved in game meat that was one of the reasons they were given it's absolutely crazy isn't it that absolutely crazy i mean this christmas i did a i don't know if you've seen it a, a 15 bird roast mm-hmm. yeah. uh, i mean they loved it that went round the papers around the world cause I, but people are saying it's the biggest one ever recorded being made. I think one of the biggest was a French one. It was 17 that centuries ago. And I know River Cottage used it in a 10-bird one. 10 bird, yeah. 15, and most of that was game birds. Mm-hmm. Can't remember them all. Let me just think. There was snipe, you know, widgeon, mallard, uh, pheasant, partridge, uh, teal, and then obviously poussin, guinea fowl, 
Gressingham Duck, on and on. And I, every year I try and give it away for a charity and it went to a homeless shelter and they ate game for their Christmas dinner, which I thought was awesome as well. That's fantastic. We, we almost... As far back as I can remember, we've had game for, game Christmas. for Christmas. We don't, we don't do turkey. We, it's always game of some description. We, maybe a bit of beef. We, we've bit we've of beef. never had 15 uh, no, <laughs> different 15 birds, once. but we, we've had about five or six before. I've done a five or yeah. six few years yeah. ago, yeah. I mean, I mean, when I made this, I was just like, I got halfway through, and I, and I thought, what am I doing? <laughs> what am I doing all these birds trying to stuff it? But it worked, and it looked absolutely awesome. And I, I know in the back of my mind, obviously, all these uh, they all cook at different times and you're thinking I've got to do this so it all cooks it was like I like to call it culinary engineering you know when I had all these birds laid out and I butterfly the turkey and I think how am I going to get all of them into there <laughs> but I did somehow <laughs> and, and then you've got the added stress of filming it as well while trying to do all these different times yeah 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 Oh man, I've got to get someone to help me. <laughs> yeah, we do. Well, me, me and Byron always say whenever we're filming something, often doing the thing is actually sometimes relatively easy. But as soon as you put a camera into the mix and you're trying to capture particular things, it Isn't makes it? it it makes it ten times harder than what it is, especially yeah. when you're when you're by yourself. Oh, I've got some lovely bloopers. <laughs> you know, the, the air goes a bit blue because you're on your own, and you end up talking to yourself. And sometimes I'll repeat. I'll have to take 10 times and I'll just have to step out of the shed then and just have a word with myself. It's so frustrating. But hey, hey, that's the way it is, I suppose, for me. Yeah, don't worry, I've been there. <laughs> take take 22. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So, what do you say to people who are? Uh, we we have quite a few people who, who listen to this show who are not particularly fishermen. They're not particularly hunters, uh, but yeah. they're intrigued by the discussions that we have. And you know, part of that is uh, the game and the, and the countryside and the adventure part of it. Uh, and some, I'm sure, probably if they have tried game, not tried much of it, or maybe slightly apprehensive about. Um, sourcing and preparing it. I mean, what do you say to those people who are kind of on the edge? They, they kind of want to try, but they're, you know, it's not as easy to cook as chicken, or I don't understand no, it like I understand beef. Yeah, I, I think what it is, is that uh, what I try to say to people is don't be scared of it. I mean, as for the, the first thing people say is, oh, I don't like pheasant, I don't like rabbit. Hmm. Why? Have you tried it? No. If they were tales from years ago of old uh, pheasants were hung until maggots dropped out of it and, and all that malarkey. And you just think, it's just not like that. It's just not like that. It's just, once you get them to, to try it, you know, it's basically they're up and running. But things like rabbit, oh, I had a rabbit and it absolutely stumped the house out and, and it tasted horrible. But simple things like that, you've got to know the, the butchering of the animal. As you guys know, there's two little musk glands at the bottom behind the backside. Mm -hmm. And you leave those in, it will just go through, if you were stewing it, all through the stew, and it will fill the house up, you know. And I think they just had unfortunate experiences with it, which obviously, through my videos, I don't want to plug that, but I can show you how to prepare it ready for cooking. But what I will say is to people is don't be scared of it. I think it's got this kind of, what's the word I'm looking for, reputation as being difficult to cook. Like you say, I know you can't speak it like chicken, but in a way you can. It's all about, once you get a little bit of knowledge, it's all about the timing. You know, I did a video poaching pheasant breast. It was perfect. An absolutely great way for a beginner to get into cooking game. Poaching pheasant breast in cider, 
or chicken stock, then you can treat it like a chicken. You know, quickly cook, poach for about 10 minutes, so simple, flash fried, you've got an amazing dish to, to put with whatever you want, mashed potatoes, whatever. So I think people don't be scared of it. And I think if you give people presents, they go, what am I going to do with that? Mm. And you're already in their mind, they're like, I, I don't know what to do. So I think it's about it's what I'm trying to do, I suppose, is educate people is don't be scared of this, you know? You can, to a certain degree, treat it like pheasant, like chicken. It's just timing, which will come with experience. Venison, you can treat it like beef, you know? They think it's this uh, mystery <laughs> animal that has to be cooked totally different, where really it's pretty much... I'm going to say it's simple, really. Mm. When you've got a little bit of knowledge, yeah, it's, and it's, it's such a great source of source of meat as well. Uh, yeah, I'm going to t- touch on the ethics. Just, uh, I, I, I just wanted to ask you something. Just going back because you actually mentioned it. Now we get many, many emails asking about knives that we use when we go hunting. And yeah. you mentioned earlier that someone was asking you about uh, knives for butchering, and you'll know a lot more about it than we will, and I bet you some of our listeners will be very intrigued. So what kind of sure. knives or what would you suggest for people looking to go into butchering? Well, like, like you said, I have a lot of people asking me about kit, and they think you have this wonderful big arsenal of kit. And I'm going to tell you, all you need is a butcher's steel to keep it sharp, one six-inch bone and knife, one... 10 or 12 inch steak knife and a meat saw and that's all you need i mean we see these people they have like all the globe oil and they have all these beautiful funky knife blocks hundreds and hundreds of pounds you don't need that you could set yourself up just basically with a steak knife and a, and a six inch boning knife for about 40 40 quid and looked after they will last you a lifetime i mean i'm still using my rose-handled knives that I won in the Butcher of the Year competition in 1990. And I use the brand I always use and, and recommend to people is Victronox. <laughs> I was just going to say, all of my larder knives are Victronox. Yeah, I've got two, yeah, down- I got two downstairs. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. You know, they're the trade stand they've been going for years. And when I bought knives for people, friends, and I'll say, I'll get you a knife, they, they automatically think it's 40, 40 quid just for one. It, it's like a tenner delivered. Mm. You cannot, it's just the best brand uh, without me plugging them. You know, that's not what I'm doing. It's just I've used them all my life. They're cheap and they're hardworking and they will last you a lifetime. They're just brilliant. You you were talking uh, just before about, you gave a very, very brief rundown of how to make, uh, uh, sort out pheasant in a way that people can understand it and cook it. I actually had pheasant written down because it's the question that you probably get asked loads and certainly lots of people have said to me you know i don't really like pheasant the way that i've eaten it you know how, how do you prepare it could you do the same thing with rabbit as in could you give me an example of a way to prepare rabbit that makes it a little bit more palatable for people who've maybe tried it and been put off because possibly it's been uh, prepared not in the best way yeah i think that the thing with rabbit it's again it's an athlete isn't it it's there's no fat on it it's it, so you've got to, well, it's got to be slow, to be honest. Maybe the loin you can do quick, but obviously the shoulders and the legs. I mean, the legs, I do a fantastic dish uh, of uh, rabbit with mustard, le pan a la moutard. And to me, it's one of the finest, finest, finest dishes going. Uh, slowly braised legs in a stock. Again, stock, you know, it's just keeping it moist. Uh, keeping it tender and you can actually pull it apart pretty much like pulled pork 
just taking that time and it seemed like a cream sauce. But I think you've just got to embrace it really and, and do it slow and forget about it. Don't panic about it. Don't worry about it. You know, like a stew, but it's always like people say rabbit stew, rabbit pie, but it, you can do so much more with it. And a guy came up to me and said, I want to do some barbecue rabbit. Can I put the legs on straight on the fire? And of course you can't. It's going to be tough. So I said, if you, I find if you poach them and then you cook them and then sear them on the barbecue, you're going to have a beautiful, charred, tender, juicy rabbit leg. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me and Byron have had. I'm rap- salivating a little I bit know. just thinking about it. I'm glad we did eat some lunch. We were wa- we were watching some of your videos uh, earlier today, yeah. uh, just seeing because uh, I, you know what, well, the first time I ever watched your videos, you had about twenty thousand subscribers at the time, yeah. um, and then obviously today you've got well well clear of a hundred thousand. But when we were watching some earlier today. Uh, we had to go and have lunch. <laughs> because we were starving after watching them. Do you know one that I just I saw and I just thought that looks so awesome? Was a, it was a crown roast. There was actually a picture of it in the Daily Mail article that was uh, on you. I mean, that just oh, looked yeah, phenomenal. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's very popular. And also I did the uh, venison guard of honour. That's another look, a good-looking dish. Uh, and I think that's what a lot of people, especially in the US, they would take their deer to be processed. Always take it to the processor. And they would take, like let's just say, as a rough example, 50 pounds of meat, and they'd get 10 back. But they'd yeah. like, get in the haunches and the backstop, and the rest would disappear. Mm. And I was saying to you, one, you could do this at home, and two, more usable cuts. Break these legs down. Don't just go for backstop, you know, loin fillet. Make some chop. Make some crown roast. Make some uh, guard of honours. You know, let's, let's shake it up here a bit. And, They've really embraced it in the US. They send me pictures of their butchery now. Instead of it just being two legs, backstrap and a pile of trim, there's all these fancy double chops and tomahawk chops. And I think tomahawk that chops? I, know, I like the sound of that. What's a tomahawk chop? The tomahawk is obviously the cutlet. You can imagine the front of the loin where the bones mm-hmm. are. And you leave the eye of the meat attached to the bone and all the bone is trimmed and it looks like an old school tomahawk. Very trendy at the moment. <laughs> Very trendy, and I suppose if you get something like a white tail or or a red, you know, where you've got a beautiful eye of meat, a decent size. I mean, and then you leave the bone, I'd say about, I wouldn't be about 12 inches long, mm. pretty much the whole length of the rib, and they just look cool on the grill. Just you know, look it's cool, almost yeah. like, It's almost like a venison lollipop. How's the demographic of your channel uh, split up? Have you, is it mainly UK people, or is it pretty even UK, US? I'd say mostly U.S. Well, no, that's wrong. I'd say 60% U.S. I'd say, what, 30 here and 10 Australia and then the rest of the world. It's it's really hard to judge. I know that sounds a bit strange. Uh, I've seen trying to work out how YouTube works, you know, sometimes myself. But, yeah, it seems to be very strong in the U.S., very strong in the U.K., Canada, Australia, you know, where they do a lot of hunting, they do a lot of shooting. Mm-hmm. What about uh, hunting, shooting, sourcing of game yourself? Uh, how, uh, I mean, do you have a chance to do that? Have you always done it? Well, my best friend's a gamekeeper, my main man, Coops, I call him my game guru, and uh, he's also a deer stalker, so I go out with him, but I don't shoot half as much as I'd like to. Mm-hmm. I mean, last week he said, come on out and start before the season ended. And it's the same excuse, I'm working, I'm doing a video. He's saying, you're just going to have to drop work, mate, and just cost me. 
it on the channel and come out a bit more. He he's round with me now and he's uh, he's saying, oh, you'll have to drop down a few days, you know, and get out. Because I, I miss getting out in the field, you know. But it's just work commitments with work and the butchery trade. And it's just the way the season falls. It falls in when butchers are busiest, you know. Hmm. Yeah, definitely. I I haven't seen myself, but do you have any videos of the the when you're out in the field at all, or do you not have? Yeah, that? I've done I've done a couple with my mate. Um, yeah, I mean a good one we did, and it was just the craziest thing was we shot some pigeons, picked some wild mushrooms, and then I set up a gas cooker in the middle of a field in Herefordshire, and I cooked this most elegant dish of like a, a round of toast with flash fried pigeon breast wild mushrooms and a sauce of port and creme de cassis. And as I dished it up, me and him are eating it on so romantically on the front of the pickup truck. You look around, you think, hang on, we're in the middle of a field here. It sounds like something from a Michelin star restaurant in London, though, you just described. I mean, the dish was amazing. It should have gone, like you say, been handed over service, and there's me and him, like, covered in mud, eating this beautiful pigeon. That's £55, please. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, cheers, mate. (laughs) Um, but it seems to me, just from reading the comments and that on your on your channel, um, that it, it's very clear that you do that, but or you, you you do partake in it, but you haven't come under. Any, I might be wrong. You can correct me, but uh, come in, under any criticism for the hunting aspect of it. it. Is that because of the main focus being the preparation of the game? If you look at kind of any other channel where maybe the focus yeah. isn't the preparation, it's very clear that the animals are being consumed, but the focus is the hunting aspect of it. I mean, as you can imagine, and I'm sure you've seen, yeah, you yeah, always yeah, get definitely. an array of, of very negative things where people say, oh, you shouldn't be killing you know, game for sport. Well, I, I have a... I, I mean, I'm very lucky considering the viewers I have and, and you know, and the amount of views. I seem to bypass it. Mm. I get the odd one or two, but because I've got such a strong community and a backing behind me, uh, this movement, the others will all of a sudden just put them right. I don't, very rarely do I have to answer them or block anybody. The other guys and girls there will actually put them right. I've, I've just been very lucky, and someone said that to me the other day. You don't get a lot of negative comment, but I do show the shooting, you know, and obviously the game, uh, the butchery. I mean, you get a lot more from, I suppose, without saying it, and the vegetarian and the vegan side of it. Mm. Uh, that's where I get a bit of uh, stick, I suppose. But again, I'm very lucky. I don't get a lot. I think that's... Uh, you could put that down to it's almost showing the entire process. You know, you get the, yeah. co- you get the cooking shows, which show you the process of well i think one of the best examples is the jamie's 15 minute meals which uh, i do yeah. ha- i do have his cookbook but they don't take 15 minutes because everything is diced up for him when, when he's oh, doing, doing yeah. it so you know most cooking shows are just showing that bit but you're actually showing the 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 preparation of the animal and then sometimes the bit before which is going to get it which is the complete process well uh, i mean i posted something on a forum the other day uh it was, I won't really say it, but it was about wild food and foraging. And uh, all I posted was a picture of my uh, venison and rabbit roulade, and some people really took it to heart. And they were saying, well, this shouldn't be on here. And I, I said back to them, well, this is wild food. If you look at the title of your forum, it's wild food. It doesn't get wilder than this. Yeah. And uh, they had some of the, one of the busiest comment sections on it. People saying, well, what, you know, chewing and throwing, oh, this is not good, this doesn't belong on here. And then people say, well, this is wild food, this is what happened. 
And I couldn't believe it. And again, uh, I, I suppose, can I say meat eaters put the vegetarians and vegans right without sounding harsh. So, yeah, it's like self-policing. I think people get it, and the majority, you know? I, I but, think... Uh, Sorry, sorry go on. no, no, no. I was just—I was just going to say that it's. I think in terms of uh, the sourcing of wild game, it becomes a very diff difficult argument. I think for uh, vehement anti-meat eaters, you know, whatever yeah. whatever title they they take, to really argue it, because with regard to wild game, as as you and I and a lot a lot of people who listen to this podcast will know, that it's all part of management of the land, yeah. you know, under the sort of general sense. So. Yes, you might be killing something, but it is an absolute necessary requirement. Now, you could argue, uh, not that I have anything um, particularly against agriculture and a lot of friends who are, are farmers, but that becomes a much more difficult thing to defend because do you actually need to do that? Well, not really. It's our demand for certain types of meat, whereas, yeah, the, wild, yeah. the, whereas the wild game is there. And as long as we yeah. want to be on the land, we're going to have to have, have to manage it to make sure that it's... You could always point out that the rabbits are often controlled for crops, which often yeah, yeah. a vegetarian or uh, something would yeah. be eating. <laughs> yes, we, we have pointed that yeah, out a yeah. few times. <laughs> I mean, yeah, the, the damage they do in pigeons, isn't it, you know? Yeah, well, I think a good one was on... Uh, Field Sports Channel was it Field Sports Channel? No, it wasn't. It wasn't. It was with uh, Rachel Carey where she took um, Jody Marsh Jody Marsh out uh, yeah, with yeah, yeah. with with Andy Crow, um, and they were showing the fields that potentially she would be eating as a, a vegetarian, uh, but she didn't realize that pigeons were being controlled on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Another really sort of interesting dynamic in people's minds, and you might have some examples of this is um, uh, Joe Rogan on his podcast, he put up a thing. Uh, was, I think he's done it more than once now, but it was the same picture. He put up a picture on his Twitter or wherever it was of, uh, I'm sure it was a, a piece of fish or some fishing that he'd done. And, you know, he's getting you know, a lot of uh, thumbs up. No, no negative comments whatsoever. He then put up a, a big juicy steak and said, and it, it was true, this was uh, from a bear. It was bear meat from a black bear that he had you know, legitimately shot somewhere. Uh, and the vast majority of it was just an outcry against, you know, how can you kill that animal? Uh, completely legal, all regulated, but yeah. no, no one cares about the fish because it's a fish. Uh, but as yeah. soon as you have something that's fluffy and cuddly and, and strikes a bit of emotion, then all of a sudden it all comes out the woodwork. Yeah, some people, I think, genuinely don't get it, and I don't think they ever will. You know, and we can try and educate them, but some people, I suppose, really are so far removed and, and just don't understand. And I think that's part of the battle, isn't it? Especially game, is we keep saying this, we're educating people. And yeah, more people are coming on board, but some people still just, at the end of the day, don't get it, which is sad. You, you can't win all your battles, I guess. No, no. I, mean, I think all that can really be done... At the moment, from an individual point of view, is if you do happen to be someone who is able to, you know, tackle a bit of wild meat and, and prepare it from the feathers to the to the cookbook uh, to the pot, even if not not to the same standards as yourself, at least share that share that knowledge and, and show people that it's possible. Yeah, uh, what what do you think we could do more as 
a community. I mean, you're doing a, a huge amount because you managed to reach a huge amount, and I'm I have absolutely no doubt it's making making a difference and people finding yeah. it more acceptable because you're providing them with the knowledge. But it's it's I suppose it's not enough. We really need more people to embrace it and realize what a great thing it is to to be um, eating wild food. Yeah. I think it, it, it's just one of those slowly, slowly catchy monkey things, isn't it? It's, it? it's getting better every year. You know, venison sales are up, aren't they? You're seeing more in the supermarkets. You're seeing more choice, uh, which is which is brilliant. Um, you know, we've got, like, Taste the Game, haven't we, and Game to Eat, and people like myself, and forums, and YouTube. It's just, I suppose, uh, how do you steer the people to them is the trick, isn't it? And I think... This is what I was going back to, like a TV program. It needs, I think, it, it's begging for one something new and something game centric, you know, to, to the masses. I mean, obviously, my views and my channel is fantastic, but it's we haven't even tapped into what you know one percent, I suppose, really. Mm. Although on paper it looks fantastic, but there's there's more that can be done and more yeah, people to, to to get the message to. No, absolutely. I was going to ask you something. What was it now? Completely, it's completely gone out of my mind. Well, I'm gonna. Well, while you're having to think of yeah. that, sourcing game for those people who, I mean, we are very lucky. I I shoot uh, and Daryl shoots. We shoot a huge amount ourselves, and I've got a lot of friends who are gamekeepers, so I can you know go up to the larder and yeah. pick up birds when I want. But not everybody's in that sort of fortunate position. So I'm I'm sure you've had the question. You know, I, I I love what you're doing, but how do I go and source some pheasants or partridge? What do you say to them if they if they want to do it from the, you know, from the ground up, which is a dead feathered bird or you know yeah. an actual venison carcass, as opposed to going to the butcher and having something that's already um, you know prepared for you. Well, I think that's the thing because my first reaction would be go to your butcher, but even some butchers don't really supply a lot of game. Uh, even round by me, you know, when you've got like Worcestershire and Herefordshire, you, you still don't see it regularly in the butchers, which is uh, obviously there's no call for it. That's why they don't do it. You know, it's a business thing for those. But I think one of the best ways I was talking about earlier is, you know, maybe join a shoot as a beaker yep. is a good way in. Yeah. You know, you will get pheasants at the end of the day, you know, and, uh, it can lead to other things, maybe a bit of rabbiting out of the season, a bit of pigeon shooting. I suppose you've got to, uh, unfortunately, I think you've got to go and find this stuff. It isn't like we can walk out to a supermarket and it's necessarily always there. It would be Colour, great think, if it was. Can you imagine if you could walk into a supermarket and there hanging in the chiller, yeah, a few pheasants, full row carcasses. How great would that be? Someone walking to the car with it over their shoulder. Yeah, well, well I shared a picture on my Facebook of a, a game dealer that was in Worcester years ago. Do you remember when you see them old pictures of what we call a flash and the whole of the building was covered outside? Yeah. Yes, of course. Of yeah. Rabbits, pheasants, ducks, you know, and they would have always like, there would always be a bit of salmon thrown in. I don't know why. <laughs> there'd be like all this beautiful game and then obviously wild salmon you know yeah. which is game I suppose a game pitch isn't it but yeah. Uh, yeah, when was the last time you went by a butcher's even at Christmas when it was cold enough to hang it maybe in the window or outside you saw them hanging I mean years ago it was the norm there's a, a butcher shop in Tewkesbury still have got it's not a butcher shop no more surprise surprise but still have got all the hanging rails outside where it would all be hung like a beautiful picture yeah. But you don't see it, do you? It's, it's sad a in a way. It's a really sad that, and 
is that change in tastes or is that just because that would i mean i can imagine can you imagine the outcry if you started hanging carcasses outside a butcher oh, no, shop it, it, it wouldn't the turn they're thinking about does it it's crazy and when you wait up and how many years has that changed though 50 is that yeah uh, it's not long not long at all not really. even that i'd say it's. It, they, it, I think it was last year, the year before, there was a butcher shop that had its carcasses hanging in the video, uh, the video in, in the window, and there was a complaint. I vaguely remember this, and but it was inside, wasn't it? Yeah, it was but, inside, yeah. and then I think they put it, brought it down, and now they've put it back up again. I'll need well, to find it, it. I'll need to find it. It's the same thing. They, they don't want to know. They want it. They think it's meat to them is uh, this beautiful pink, bright pink plastic wrapped on a black tray, isn't it? They're, again, far removed from this is where it comes from. So this is just another part of your meat. You know, this is not obviously got fur on, but this has got in the feather. But it's the same thing, you know. But they don't want to know. They want to be able to just safely go and say, well, that, that, that's not me. That's not come from a cow, you know. It's yeah. just this red blob in a tray. It's a bit of a, it's a detachment thing. Maybe we should start a campaign to every time you buy a piece of meat in a, in a cellophane packet, that it has to actually have a, a living picture of the animal yeah. that it came from. Yeah, that, maybe yeah, that's the closest we can get to having the game hanging outside a butcher shop. Yeah, but you know they wouldn't bat an eyelid at that, would they? they probably would. Because it's wouldn't. so imprinted in their conscience, like this is beef. You know, it's a cow, so they don't really think about it. But when they the brace of pheasants hanging up, lovely. I mean, the display is fantastic, and uh, yeah, they just uh, they're too keen. Some people, and I don't know why. I mean, I was on a forum, and like you say, someone posted a picture of a butcher shop with it all hanging in. It looked absolutely spectacular, like something from a, 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 you know, an old book. And like you say, told to take them down. Crazy. And there shouldn't really, there shouldn't be anything wrong with that because no. ultimately the lives are being taken or whether you display it or not. And yeah. it's, it's, it's almost like a denial thing. If you're not happy for it to be there, I mean, it has to be stored somewhere. There's absolutely no... There was probably very good reasons for them displaying it, apart from trying to encourage people in when people could stomach that yeah. sort of thing. But yeah. th these will be the same people that complain when Country File butchered... Uh, a deer, was it? I think it was, it was a deer. They, they, they butchered it. But it would make me laugh because it had hundreds of complaints, made the newspaper the Country File was showing the, this meat being prepared. And I thought, where are the hundred complaints when you've got... Oh, the Ready, B Steady, Cook. Ready, Steady, <laughs> Cook. Or the, the BBC Breakfast show that they do on the, the weekends and stuff like that. Where are the hundred complaints then? It's the same difference. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, they seem to have a field day, though, don't they? That, uh, when they do things like that, like the Country File deer. I, I don't know if it's because I do it, you know, and you guys do it, and the people who watch mine and your videos, it's just what we like. But... I wouldn't complain about something I didn't like. You know, no. When you no. get vegetarians who try and put something derogative, people just say simple. If you don't like it, don't watch it. Yeah. It... You know what I'm saying? But they like to to scream and shout about it. Well, maybe I don't like, you know, something simple like growing lettuce. <laughs> I don't like that, but I wouldn't go spend the time sit down, oh, I don't like lettuce, I don't like the look of that. You know? I think don't waste my time. Don't waste your time. Don't watch it. Lettuce is a touchy subject in the country oh, right now. Yeah, yeah. Of course I, we're rationing. Who would have thought we'd be rationing I, lettuce? You know what? Yeah, the, 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 the I bumped into a bloke in a long coat. He said, do you want to buy one of these? Like, <laughs> <laughs> do you know what made me laugh about this? Was The rationing was three lettuces per person. Who's buying three lettuces in one go? Uh, I mean <laughs> well, I was talking to my mate about this. And when you weigh it up really, let's be serious here, Years ago, you wouldn't have a lettuce in January, would you? No, no. 
know, you, you've, and that's what we need to get back to, you know, just keep, it would be root vegetables up until the crops come in. I think the first ones were things like radishes, you know, and then your lettuces would come on, then you get into summer, and then you get all your fruit. Think about it, really. I mean, a strawberry in January. That's ridiculous. Or a lettuce, really, in the scheme of things, shouldn't be happening. I totally agree with you. I, 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 totally think, agree I think people you. don't realise how... We've just become lucky. That's all we are. We're just very fortunate that yeah. we, we have access to nearly everything all year round. Yeah, well, I, I, I won't sell the food stop. I'm not. You know, I'm as is, working class as you can get. But you go to the supermarket and the asparagus will be in there from South Africa. Hmm. You know, and you just think, well, I'll hang on until the, the asparagus season here. You know, and I'll just eat that for six weeks and it'll be a treat. And then I look forward to it next year. You know, I went, oh, November. Oh, I fancy some asparagus. You know, it, you shouldn't, uh, I wouldn't say you shouldn't be eating it because the choice is there, but that's how I tend to look at it. You know, English produce as well. I'd rather eat it in the season. Yeah, I, there, is, there is a reason why um, your, not, not always your top restaurants, but just your restaurants often, uh, they'll only be serving seasonal food. And it'll say fresh seasonal food in it because it, generally tastes better that it hasn't been transported across the other exactly. side of the planet. Mm. And, and yeah. also, you know, in, a, in a world where we're continually having to watch the resources that we mm. use up, if you have yeah. to get something from the other side of the world, it's going to use up some sort of finite resource unless they're flying on a solar-paneled plane or something. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Why on earth are we still in a situation where we're, where we're doing that? When, why we're, you know, we're doing this and demanding it? Um, I, I don't know. It's a, I suppose it's a bit of a chicken and egg thing. People sure will is. buy yeah. it because it's there, but if it wasn't there, would they complain? Well, they probably would complain, actually. I mean, we're, we're rationing lettuces, for goodness sake. <laughs> I mean, that was a, that, it's almost comical, isn't it? Yeah. Or lettuce of all things. <laughs> it, would, it wouldn't be high on my list of things to be no, upset no, about. No. I, could... <laughs> I think I can manage without my iceberg today. Thank you. <laughs> Top tips. For you've you've already been generous enough to give us uh, some really uh, some great little gems in the conversations we've been having. But if you can think of just two or three sort of top tips that stick with game here for either game butchery or game preparation, is there anything yeah. that kind of springs to your mind that you can share with our listeners? What I would say is, don't be scared of it. I think, like I said earlier, we have in our minds some people who are new to it that it's this hard thing to, to cook uh, and and it's not really I think you've you just got to be confident and you can, like I said treat it maybe like chicken and treat it like beef, it's just to to kind of get like this, this, this the game ethic out of your head and just treat it as you would a chicken, you know, and beef and that's the only thing I would say really and that's what I'm kind of getting back is that well, I've never really done this kind of thing before and I say well if you just take your time, just Follow the directions, uh, and and it will turn out brilliantly. And I think that's the one thing: just don't be scared of having a go with it. Mm. And uh, obviously, it's not going to happen over overnight. You're not going to get it right first time, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't have another go. You know, it's experience, and it people haven't got the experience of cooking the game. I suppose that's what it's down to. But you know, start with pheasant breast. There's loads of them around in the season. Mm. You know, there's loads of birds. And just experiment with it, really, and don't be scared of it. Is there any videos that you could maybe direct us to that our listeners could go and search on YouTube? As a good starting as, point. Yeah, a good starting point, and we can also put in the description uh, for the podcast. I'd say go and have a look at the poached pheasant breast. Uh, I mean, 
there's a poached pheasant roulade, and it, and it, I know the word poached is up there a lot, but this is the way to get succulent, juicy pheasant breasts. You know, like the roulade, it's stuffed with sausage meat, whatever sausage meat you want. You can put wild mushrooms in, wrapped in bacon, slowly poached, and then flash fried off. What's not to love? And not only does it look good, it tastes amazing. Definitely that uh, Nepal Alamutad, which I call Nepal Alakolmans, because I've got like a habit of Coleman mustard. Uh, <laughs> I saw your sign. Pardon? I saw you have got a big Coleman's mustard sign. Oh, is it? yeah, yeah. I get some stick. Brilliant. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Coleman's everywhere. And people saying Coleman's with that. Coleman's with that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've got no answer. I can't help it. I think it runs through my veins. That and mustard sauce. I like I like Worcester sauce. You can't yeah. go a bit too wrong with Worcester sauce. But, but I think you'll find with pretty much all of my uh, game cookery videos, especially I know the pot roasted pheasant with pearl barley. That's a really simple one to do with. And with that one, you can do that with a skinless pheasant. Because a lot of people, you're going to put a brace of pheasant, but we still are at that stage where you know I can't be bothered to pluck it. Mm. I mean that's quite bad in a way but rather than skin it and cook it you know what I'm saying and not cook it at all yeah. that's a good dish and uh, some of my venison braised venison shank simple these are dishes you could put in Sunday morning go and have a pint walk the dog come back and it's there mm. I Perfect. love venison simple. shank keeping it simple and again you know I say about the plate enough it hasn't got to be fancy. At the end of the day, it ain't a mission with Sarah Restaurant. You're in your kitchen, you want good, wholesome, uh, seasonal food. I, lo- I love dishes like that, that you don't don't particularly take that long to prepare. And you can no. put, put, them all, put them in the oven or something, and then you can leave for an hour or two, come back, and and it's just, your kitchen just smells amazing. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> I, I mean, there's things like shanks, you know, even if you left that extra, you know, you, an hour over, it's still not going to... The longer you leave it, the better, mm. you know? So if you were a bit late, it's not going to affect it. It's just going to get better and better and better. That, that That's the the theory I use when I... Because <laughs> I, I cook with a slow cooker a lot. And uh, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the longer, the better. What's, what's your favourite meat to eat? Do you know what? When I... It was, it's between pigeon and rabbit. Mm. The pigeon is very underrated, isn't it? And very very underrated, yeah. But cooked right... It, it's up there with the finest steak. It does actually take some beating. It is. Big time. It, I love it. And it's so accessible and so easy to cook. You know, it's minutes, really, because you don't want to overcook no. it. But I think pigeon, I absolutely love, and rabbit. Mm. We, we ate quite a bit of rabbit last year, actually, yeah, we but did. Not, not quite as delightful as uh, your rabbit that you've been eating. Often it was over an open <laughs> fire and slightly char-grilled, or like you said before, if you have it just over an open fire with flame, it does get quite chewy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely. But obviously, like I said, you know, you, you just gently simmer those for an hour. It's going to be an hour, you know, but then you can char grill it, and then it's a totally different thing altogether. And then you'll be like, hmm, this is, this is the way forward now. The one thing that we, we didn't really touch on when we were talking about game is the the economics of it. It's actually, especially if you pick your times of year, and you're not trying to buy grouse on the 12th, it's no. really quite cheap. It really is, isn't it? Um, I mean, you know when you get like to the back end of the season where you can pick up pheasants uh, for next to nothing? Absolutely. You know, yeah, and it's 
Well, I mean, some shoots will actually give them away. Yeah, yeah. And that's where people should be going, right, you know, you haven't even got to buy this stuff. Uh, you get to, on a beat or a shoot, whatever. Then you can experiment. That's what I say, you know, if you get a few pheasants and you haven't paid anything for them because you've had them for a day's beating or part as you've eaten, you haven't paid anything out, experiment with them, you know? Skin a few, roast a few skinless, uh, slow cook one skinless or skin on pheasant breast because you, you're not forking out any money and it's a way to, I suppose, get a bit of experience and learn what works, timings and things like that. And I think that, that's a great way of getting into it. Yeah, and it also helps. You know, I know it takes time to do these things, but it really does give you an appreciation of the importance of of life and death and the amount of effort that goes into you know actually putting meat on the table. There, there's a massive detachment to you yeah. know even with farmed meat. I mean, there's a lot of sure. effort, a huge amount of effort that goes into putting farm meat on the table, yeah, uh, and yeah. a lot of people don't really understand that. But just talking about. Uh, you know, the game at certain times of year, like the back end of the pheasant season, we've just passed it now. Uh, they're not really worth very much for the 20, game. 20, I think look, 20p, uh, 20p a brace. A, a brace, but, yeah. But, well, yeah. I mean, it's... yeah, and you know, you find some people still don't want to have them at that. So you just think, you know, why? This is fantastic meat. It's yeah, it's it's. I don't know if for twenty p a brace. Why why wouldn't yeah. you? I mean, we've actually talked about this before on the the previous show, the uh, state that we were doing some the, work the with Glenn Fiddick and yeah. Cobra, Cobra and Glenn Fiddick. Yeah. They um they were at the situation twenty p a brace, and they decided that they'll take the hit on not making much money, and they'll prepare the pheasants themselves, and they donated it all to um, a homeless charity mm. in Aberdeen. Yeah. All of the meat, yeah, absolutely fantastic. But balance. but it also shows you that if you live nearby and approach this state you would either get them for nothing or exactly. or, ne- or next to nothing <laughs> yeah you're right. nine times out of ten you're right nothing they'd be happy for it to go somewhere mm. and i mean and just uh to emphasize the point for for those people listening it's not like this stuff doesn't go somewhere if no one picks it up. It all goes to game dealers and yeah, quite often yeah. gets distributed across Europe. The point mainly is that it's just not really worth anything at the, by the end of the season because there's uh, yeah. you know just just so much of it. But somebody somebody is consuming it. Well, yeah, I, I I always try my very best to encourage people to to try game because I think it it is fantastic. It is my preferred meat option, whatever that might be. And I'm glad you brought up pigeons because I totally agree with you there. It is a massively underrated meat, and it is yeah. beyond doubt one of my favourites. Um, oh, it's fantastic. So we didn't eat much pigeon last year, actually. No, I did eat a little bit because uh, my friend, uh, our friend Eden, he's actually in, he's just coming home in a couple of days. But he's been in New Zealand for the last six months. He's a big pigeon shooter, so I normally get my pigeons off him because yeah. I don't I don't always have the patience to go and plan flight lines and go and sit. I normally wait for a phone call. He says the pigeons are flying <laughs> in. Do you want to come for a few hours? Like, perfect, Eden. Just get my seat warm. <laughs> Yeah, it's like that though, and they ring you up and then you go and like they've all disappeared. <laughs> <laughs> uh, are you having a laugh? Are they really there? Yeah. <laughs> or do you just want to spend some time with me? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just he was just getting lonely. <laughs> Sometimes yeah, I do yeah. wonder. Uh, Scott, it's been absolutely fantastic to speak to you, and you know, I just I wish everybody had the same enthusiasm for uh, the preparation of meat from its its the beginning to the end as, as you yeah. did. And I, 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 like I said uh, earlier, I have no doubt that what you've done has already made a difference uh you just got to keep on doing what you're doing and hope that 
your plans for getting it to the wider public uh, work yeah. because we need more of that. I think a TV show would be good. And mm. also, um, when you do your book and you'll have the, in, well, not interactive videos, but the videos to go along with it, then uh, then uh, it'll be partly our idea. Of course, James, of course. Um, but what is the best place for people to find you? We're going to put all the links anyway in the description, but out of your mouth. Well, to be, straight to my channel is the one, the Scott Reed Project. Uh, you can find me on my Facebook, uh, the Scott Reed Project, that is one word. Also on Twitter, at Scott Reed Project, and I'm working on a website as we speak. Yeah, good. So, but I wanted a website, you see, I don't want just... Uh, uh, a web page just I want it to be interactive I want people yeah. to put stuff on there and I want one that works you know that can regularly be updated and, and people can get involved it's a community so you know maybe a sign in and really join the movement that's what I want mm. it's going to take a little bit of time I think but I want it to be right with, of, you know to back up the work I've done I suppose with all your delicious dishes you should have an Instagram account with all of your amazing dishes and oh, with, have, and with sorry, the yeah, recipes. Have, you do? I have, yeah. I, I can't remember the name. <laughs> we'll find it. Yeah, we'll, we'll, find, we'll it. find it. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. I do apologize for that. I have got one, yeah, and I put them up there quite regular. Absolutely brilliant. Yep. Well, Scott, oh no, hang on, I'll tell you what, there was one thing that I knew there was, so that the reason for my I, pause there I, was because I had a question that's then vaporized. I've got a question okay. as well that I just remembered from earlier on when I forgot. Okay, well, I, I hopefully won't forget it this time. I hopefully it's not dinner. the same question. My okay. question was, is there anywhere that people can come and see you? Will you be doing any shows or game fairs this year or anything like that? Uh, no, the, the game fairs, I'm just a punter. <laughs> <laughs> But it's quite nice because I get random people come up to me and like pat me on the shoulder and go, all right, Scott, shake your hands. And I'm like, oh, yeah, how are you doing? They go, I watch your channel, which I think is awesome, you know? But it's something I'm definitely looking into. I think as the profile builds, I'm getting a lot of, uh, especially with Taste of Game, you know, the profile is building there. So hopefully, and it, Butchery Masterclass is another one I'm looking into, but... Uh, because while I'm working four days a week and three days on the channel, it's time, you know? There's yeah. got to be that time when I go, right, I'm going to jump off and uh, um, let's do this. But it's all, yeah, ideas in my head. I've got a rough idea what I want to do. What, what, just time. What game fairs do you normally go to? Well, I'm going to the shooting show on Saturday. Oh, brilliant, yeah. Yeah, the UK game fair. We were just talking about me and my mates in London, isn't it, this year? Yeah, the game fair. And there's one in Western Park, which I'll be at. And I fancy maybe going to the Bath and West show there. I don't know that one. Yeah, I don't know that one. No, I've never been to that one, but I, I fancy going down there. Uh, now, my question was, um, the Scott Ree Project, why that name? Obviously, it's got your name in it, but why it's the Scott Ree Project? Was the, what was the thinking behind that? Just well, to finish when I started, up. I, I thought, I'll, I'll, I'll get my name on there, and what should I call it? And I just put... It would just be because it was just like quickly old, the Scott Reed project. But then it's built and built and built. And I think it's at that point where it's too far to turn back. No, I think it's I a great name. You know, when it happens, it kind of creeps up on you and you go, it's absolutely everywhere in papers, it's been in magazines. And, too late now. You know, yeah, it's too, I've been too deep, baby. <laughs> Scott, thank you so much. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on. And yeah, everybody who's listening, go and check out your your YouTube channel because I'm sure you'll find something there that you didn't know before. Thank you, gents. It's been awesome.
Well, thank you very much for listening to another show of the Into the Wilderness podcast. I've just realized something, Byron, that we've very rarely actually even introduced ourselves at the beginning of the podcast. So if anyone's listening, they'll just be like, this is just two guys that are just talking, got no idea who they are. Yeah, Maybe we, we should do. start doing that. We should. <laughs> well, they, they should know it's the Pace Brothers. They should know our surname because that's in the title of the show. It is. It but is. Uh, this is Daryl. Yeah, that's me. Here. And I'm Byron. And we're introducing ourselves at the end of the show. Um, but I would think probably the vast majority of the people yeah, who, who so. listen, who are our, our regular listeners, probably know who we are by now. But if you are a new listener on this show, then absolutely welcome. And you will be hearing from us every two weeks, if you didn't know that already. And then with old podcasts thrown in in between. Yep. Uh, and that's it. Don't forget that this podcast is supported and brought to you by the Scottish Association for Country Sports. If you are a member already, thank you very much. If you're not a member or not a member of any organisation, I urge you to go and check them out. And remember, you often hear stories with us first. For example, the, the Lynx debate is still going on, and we must have been one of the first people to actually do an in-depth... In fact, I still think we're the only people that have done a proper in-depth discussion I think we probably are actually uh, yeah. with because uh, it pops up every two weeks. Yeah. So remember, you heard it here first, and we will try and endeavour uh, to carry on doing that throughout the rest of 2017. Mm-hmm. We will. But thank you very much. Till next time.